We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire NFL DFS podcast. We are at Thanksgiving week, week 12, always a fun football week. Thanksgiving to everybody uh, who is uh, celebrating the uh, the holiday this weekend. And uh, with Thanksgiving always comes a good football uh, football week. I'm Scott Jensted, joined uh, today again by Derek Van Riper. Glad to have Derek aboard here. Uh, if you could please rate and review the podcast, we'd greatly appreciate that. If you enjoy listening to us, you can leave a bunch of stars, leave a nice comment. It does mean a lot for the podcast uh, going forward, getting uh, people to be able to see the podcast, all that kind of stuff. Um, other than that, uh, Derek, how, how's everything going? How's, uh, how's your holiday week hanging in there? It's, you know, it's cramming five days of work into four. Uh, some people have to do into three. I have to come back and work Friday. So that's that helps, actually, just because I don't just I don't, I don't have as much to condense into the early part of the week. But it's it's been fun so far. How about you? I mean, I'm, I'm still still kind of coming down from the high of that Monday night game, to be totally honest. That uh, that game was a that game was a lot of fun. You and I were talking off air about the the showdown contest, and we had to, we we're talking about uh, how fun that was with the uh, you know I'm not a big one game slate fan, but when you get you know 12, 13 guys that get in the mix and you score 14 touchdowns in a game and both defensive score, it was uh it was pretty wild. Last week was tough for me. I you and I talked a lot about T Y Hilton had that as a big hit in the early games, and I had some really good teams head of the afternoon games. A lot of guys going. And then Carson Wentz completely laid an egg on me and kind of took teams from like way up in the standings to way back in the standings, which is rare when you have, you know, extra players going on the field. And it was just uh, that Saints Saints Eagles game was tough for me to watch. 
Yeah, this has been a recurring problem for me, and you've seen it in pentathlon. I, I dropped a, a 125 on DraftKings in the pentathlon, which I'm pretty sure misses the cash line last week. I didn't play any double ups. I was actually just focusing on a few single entry tournaments and played a different lineup that dropped 175. That was a, an Eli Odell Beckham combo with Evans and Hilton. Uh, a, a bunch of guys we talked about were all in there, including Alex Collins, who scored early and then just vanished from the game. Gus Edwards just took over. And between the Collins disappearance and then the Wentz-Jeffrey flop, it really turned what looked like a nice start for my day into a very mediocre DFS week. Yeah, and I, I take your Alex Collins and, and raise it with Deion Lewis. I, I really liked uh, you know, the matchup for him and what I thought was going to happen in that game. He was just horrible. I mean, Mariota got hurt, but... I mean, Deion Lewis, I thought was my biggest disappointment aside from the the obvious Carson Wentz, uh, you know, in against the New Orleans D, and everything went well. I mean, they New Orleans kept scoring. You thought you're going to get at least garbage time, if nothing else. Nice game flow, and you know they, they just kept stopping them. They weren't playing prevent. It was just uh, it was a weird uh, weird game, and uh, Wentz looked bad. He was short hopping a lot of throws, and it was just it was a weird. Uh, a weird convergence of events, and that, that and Deion Lewis uh, really hurt some teams. I had some. I had a lot of Ty Hilton, a lot of Mike Evans, and a ton of Saquon Barkley, and you know a lot of upside there. But the, when you get zeros, there's just not much you can do in DFS to, to overcome that. Yeah, I, I thought Lewis. I mean, with Mariota getting hurt and with the Titans being as far behind as they were, I thought he'd just rack up a ton of catches. That didn't happen. He was on the burn list as well. We talked about James Conner last week as a under the radar relative to the other elite back sort of play. And I'm looking at the the $3 GPP I entered on DraftKings, the play action, big field one with 100K to first. James Conner was 13.9% owned. So he wasn't as low owned as I thought, but he was also a big disappointment. Dropped a touchdown pass, only had 49 yards from scrimmage. So it was definitely one of those mixed bags where it's like I had some of the really profitable pieces you needed to do exceptionally well, but I just whiffed on some of the lower end pieces on my roster and then had a couple guys like Connor that surprisingly underperformed even a slightly reduced sort of projection last week. Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned the, you know, Mariota and then being behind and Deion Lewis getting dump offs. So I, I flipped that game on for a little bit in the second half. And after watching Blaine Gabbert miss Deion Lewis twice from three yards away, I had to flip it off. So you'll have to tell me what happened to the rest of that game. Yeah, I, I wasn't <laughs> watching that game in the second half either. It was so far out of hand. I was I was looking at red zone and just focusing on other stuff. Gabbert is truly, truly horrible. It's it's amazing how bad he is. No, it's it's he's 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 the guy you want though when your starter goes down, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's nobody else out there that you'd rather have. I'm not uh, as a 49er fan. I'm not going to touch that one on either end. So let's jump in. Uh, we're doing this. Uh, we're doing this early. We're doing it on a Wednesday uh, just so we can hit the uh, the Thanksgiving slate. You know, usually we uh, we don't hit the the prime time games or the one game slates. But obviously, Thanksgiving has three games now. We get two in the day, and then we get the night game. Very interesting slate from the fact that you only have three games and one of them sticks out gigantically from an over-under standpoint. You know, you've got the uh, you got the Falcons headed to New Orleans over-under of 60 and a half. New Orleans has one of the, the highest implied totals I've seen in a long time. Their implied total is 36.3 just themselves in that game. So the question on the on this slate is really, you know, what can you get in from the Atlanta New Orleans game? What, you know, what parts do you want to attack? But then, you know, where are you going to win your contest in the other two games? So uh, starting at Chicago and Detroit. Uh, where do you see some plays there that maybe help you get Atlanta, New Orleans guys in or kind of be a little bit different from the field? You know, I think there's a couple different paths with the the Lions. Kenny Galladay is probably going to be the most popular 
Lion, yeah. maybe behind Theo Riddick, because on DraftKings especially, Riddick's low price, uh, the the state of the running back position with on Johnson out this week, uh, and, and having banged up receivers probably funnels extra targets in the direction of Riddick. So getting a full point PPR, uh, he's going to be popular. I think you can use Stafford if you want to really do something a little bit different on the Lions side. And if you're going to do that, I think stacking Stafford with Kenny Galladay and then Bruce Ellington, if that back injury proves to be nothing at 3,200, is actually a decent tournament sort of approach because everybody fears the Bears defense. But the the production through the air should be pretty heavily concentrated on three guys, Galladay, Ellington, and probably a little bit of Riddick. So if you want to fade Riddick, get a lot of Lions exposure, kind of look at Chicago as a team that might be able to get up, put up a lead early, and force the Lions to throw a lot. It might not be very efficient, but if Stafford can get you 220 and sneak in that third touchdown, I think that's one of those unique paths you can take on the Lions' side. Yeah, I agree with you on on the pass catchers. I don't think I can get fully on board with Stafford. He just uh, he's burned me a couple times. I just don't like what I see from him and the Bears. The Bears are going to get after him, and I just I don't love Stafford when he gets a lot of pressure. Uh, I do like Ellington a lot. He had nine targets last week, six catches, fifty two yards. I think that he's going to be you know a supreme check down guy in this game. Got to think the Bears get out to a lead, especially if Trubisky plays. Um, just uh, as a DK guy, you mentioned uh, the low price. Uh, you gotta like that volume. It kind of lets you get other guys in, especially uh, you know if you want uh, if you want Zeke, if you want a bunch of Saints and Falcons. Uh, I think Ellington's my favorite play on the Detroit side. Galladay's probably the most popular, but his price has come up. But twenty-seven targets last two week is, weeks is hard to avoid. Yeah, and I just think he's got that size speed combo that makes him such a tough matchup play for opposing DBs. I I just like. Like the idea of him getting kind of force-fed targets from Stafford, um, even against a, a good Bears defense. The Bears side of this one, again, I, I'm thinking more about contrarian approaches in tournaments because if you're going to play a big field GPP with only three games, you need to do some weird stuff yep. if you want to win that. You know, you want to bring home 50k or more on Thanksgiving. You got to come up with a combination that other people don't have. People are really sour on Jordan Howard right now. His price is down at 4100 Tariq Cohen's 5300 And one of the lineup builds I came up with that I liked was actually putting both of them in the same backfield. I mean, I think if you have to go chase Daniel under center for the Bears, you're downgrading the receivers quite a bit. Howard's going to get plenty of work. I don't think the Lions are going to be able to put up so many points that the game script is bad for Jordan Howard. And I think Cohen, as a guy that can run some short intermediate routes and then do a lot after the catch can also still be involved if Daniel has to start this game for Trubisky. If Trubisky starts, even better. The offense has a better chance of of going off. So one of the unique twists I had for a tournament was to go away from Kamara and Zeke. Again, I want to play those guys, but everybody's going to play those guys. And actually stacking the Bears' backfield in this matchup. Did that allow you to get uh, Julio and Michael Thomas in? It did. That that was exactly why I did it. Because I think... While Julio and Thomas are going to be popular too, I think Zeke and Kamara are going to be even more popular by comparison when you're looking at those high-end players. Yeah, and I think it's key to point out, you know, we talk about unique builds and doing something wacky. I mean, you still want some of that chalk in there. You know, you still are going to, Michael Thomas and Julio Jones and Kamara and Zeke are, are good for a reason, but you have to have a little bit uh, different, like you mentioned, on a three-game slate. So, you know, when you say that, you don't mean that uh, you don't want to leave $2,000 on the table and play a complete wacky lineup. But if you have a couple uh, interesting things that get allows you to get Thomas and Julio in, which I don't think a lot of people would be able to do with uh, with Kamara and Zeke in there, that's interesting. Uh, the Howard Cohen price difference on DraftKings is really interesting because Howard's actually a little more expensive, sixty one hundred six to six thousand on 
on FanDuel. So I think I like Cohen more on FanDuel and probably Howard more on DraftKings. Howard's obviously, you know, game script and TD reliant. But, you know, if Trubisky plays, got to think they get a pretty good lead in this game. Detroit's not playing very well. Chicago defense is playing really well. Uh, I just, I don't love Jordan Howard uh, as, as a running back, but uh, I can see the spot here, especially in a three-game slate. I think we're at that point now where the price is probably overcorrected to the point where he's a slight discount. Like, yeah, maybe he's not supposed to be a $5,500 running back anymore, but he's probably more of a 5,000 flat guy. Uh, in terms of total touches, the split with Cohen is actually closer to even than people realize, even though a lot of Cohen's contributions come in the passing game. So uh, I'm definitely not avoiding Jordan Howard on either site. Um, I think you're right, though. With the prices being what they are, Cohen makes a little more sense on FanDuel. So the uh, the second afternoon game, we got a uh, NFC East matchup. We got the Redskins at Dallas. This game obviously uh, got dramatically different with the the injury to Alex Smith. Uh, we now have uh, Colt McCoy taking snaps for the Redskins. Cowboys actually favored by a touchdown. Over-under is only 40 in this game. So obviously a, a low implied total for the Redskins. Is there anything on the Redskins side of the ball that uh, that you like to uh, you like to attack here from trying to be a little different? Uh, Adrian Peterson, Jordan Reed, anybody else besides that? Peterson's going to be pretty low owned. I mean, even even at the low price, I just think people are going to stay away from him with the Cowboys being favored by a little more than a touchdown. The possibility of him just getting kind of erased and, and having a Capri Bibbs or one of the pass catching backs in the field, that's going to scare a lot of people off. Reed's going to be, I think, the most owned tight end on both sites. And I think he kind of fits more into the good chalk folder than the bad chalk folder because tight end's kind of messy. Uh, and I think with Reed, you look at the way Colt McCoy is probably going to have to get rid of the ball quickly. Reed on shorter and intermediate routes should be very busy. He's had three games this year already where he's had a 30% target share. You just don't normally see that from tight ends. So while it can be feast or famine with Jordan Reed, he's probably the Washington player I like the most. Peterson's the sneaky guy. The receivers, I looked at this for several hours yesterday and just kept <laughs> flipping through. I mean, I was spending a lot of time. I, I wrote up a full article and, and looked at this and I'm like, what What can I talk myself into? And the answer was kind of nothing. If I had to play one Washington receiver, it'd probably be Josh Doxson. If I wanted to be really sneaky, Trey Quinn played a lot of the slot last week. 3,500 is the price. It's kind of a punt play. I don't think he's going to be very highly owned. You know, that would be the, the one-off Washington play I would throw out there if I wanted to get away from Marie but wanted some exposure. Yeah, the Quinn thing's interesting because, I mean, he played 53 snaps last week. I mean, that's a lot of activity. And for a guy who's that, you know, low-priced, you really just want opportunity. In 53 snaps, he had four targets last week, four catches, 49 yards. I think he's uh, probably the most intriguing guy, especially at the at the price uh, for the Washington uh, receivers. I don't love any of them, although I do. I don't hate Colt McCoy. I don't think that that's as big as a drop off as most people do. Um, I don't. I'm not a big Alex Smith fan, but I think Colt McCoy will be fine. Uh, if I had to go with somebody, I think it'd be Trey Quinn. I was uh, I was impressed you mentioned him. I thought I was going to be sneaky and uh, get under the radar with that one. Uh, it, it's, again, it's because I was staring at at snap counts and targets and everything for every team playing on Thursday for a good chunk of time yesterday. If I hadn't done that much prep work, Trey Quinn probably would have been the guy you would have pulled out. Um, you, know, you look at, at, at Washington, and I, I think the point about McCoy is true. I mean, this is a guy that he's been there for a little while. This is a, a less talented group of, of supporting cast players than he's had at any point in the past. But he's got over eight yards per attempt when they've called upon him. It hasn't been a lot, but I, I just think he's a, a competent sort of backup that can come in, keep this game nice and close, which is good if you're going to use Zeke. Um, because I'm trying to get away from Zeke and Kamara in my primary lineup for tournaments, 
I'm not going down that path, but uh, I think the Jordan Reed thing and the and the Trey Quinn approach are probably the first two reads for me in the passing game uh, as far as those uh, pass catchers go. One of my bigger uh, my bigger live sports regrets. I was at the uh, I was at the Alabama Texas national championship game. Looked, started out a great game. Colt McCoy was dealing and then got hurt, and Alabama pulled away. I, I really think it would have been an all time game if McCoy hadn't gotten hurt in that game. Oh man, that would have been a great game. Yeah, so that was uh, that's always that's always a letdown. I don't really like Alabama either, so I was rooting for Texas. But uh, on the Dallas side of the ball, speaking of Texas, I think Zeke's probably uh, probably the most popular running back this week. Uh, Eighty seven hundred on Fanduel. Uh, he only had thirty three yards against them in Week Seven, but the the Washington Rundies kind of eased up since then. They're not playing as well. He's been on fire lately. Nineteen carries for a buck fifty one and twenty three for one twenty two in his last couple weeks with a touchdown in each game. Uh, are you are you going to try and mash in Zeke where you can? How do you how do you fall on him in kind of a three game slate and game theory strategy? So if I'm only building one lineup, I'm staying away, okay. and it's not because I don't like him, but it's because I'm going for the the home run. I'm going for the golden ticket. I'm going for the crazy lineup that goes off, and I I I'd rather have the two high priced receivers Thomas and Julio than have Elliott. If I'm going to build three to five lineups, which I'm still debating whether I want to play more than one, I think I would be looking at Elliott in at least one of the first three lineups. And I would probably go Elliott plus one of the elite receivers. I probably wouldn't put Elliott and Kamara in the same lineup together, even if I end up building five different combinations. Yeah, I kind of came uh, came on the same boat on that one. I think I like uh, I think I like this one of the Saints running backs more. But uh, it's hard to get away from Zeke right now, especially with how on fire he is. What do you do with the Dallas passing game? Uh, you know, Dak was uh, was playing well. It didn't play so well last week. Amari Cooper, 6,500 on FanDuel. 23 targets his first couple games in Dallas. Only five la- – first three games. Only five last week. A little bit less owned. Uh, I worry about the game script with Amari. I, I think that uh, if, if, if McCoy struggles, which I don't think is going to happen, but they're a seven-and-a-half-point favorite for a reason – if they get ahead, I just think they pull back the reins on Dak a lot. Amari's not as super involved. I just wonder that uh, I think he's going to be fairly high percentage and very, fairly popular owned at the price. Kind of one of those mid-range guys. There aren't a lot of those to, to pick from. I just wonder if he gets game scripted out in the second half. It's possible. Um, I'm looking at Dak as that cheap quarterback that will be lower owned that if you're not playing Zeke, part of not playing Zeke would be buying into the idea that maybe Dak vultures one of the rushing TDs. Yep. And if he can throw for two more on top of that, that's that's massive. Who does he throw him to? I mean, that's the big question. Cooper at 5,700 is reasonable. I think you can run Dak out there without a Dallas receiver. Uh, but I'm looking at if I'm stacking Cowboys and avoiding Zeke, if I were going to go Dak, it'd be Cooper and probably Michael Gallup on the outside instead of Beasley in the slot. Even though we know Beasley's role is pretty safe, I'd be looking to save up a little bit of money. Washington's had some trouble in coverage outside, and I want to try to exploit that with a really cheap option for one of those receiver spots. That uh, that makes sense. What about uh, what about the Dallas uh, tight end situation? Jeff Swaim is out this week. Uh, are you interested in any kind of a Dalton Schultz action, someone like that? I don't have any interest in that group, although you're looking at the salary floor, both in, yeah. for Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz. So punt appeal, sure. It's only 5% of your cap on, on DraftKings and 6.7% of your cap on on FanDuel, but um, I don't have a strong lean either way as far as which one of those guys is going to be more involved. When Dalton Schultz first came to Stanford, I thought he was going to be the next Zach Ertz stud tight end. It just never happened. Dude is 6'6", though. So maybe a red zone target? I mean, if you're picking one of the two, is Schultz the guy? 
probably the guy uh, just for the just for the red zone aspect of it. I think if someone's going to catch a touchdown down there, it's probably going to be him with the with the size. But um, yeah, I think I'm with you. I think I probably uh, I probably go Jordan Reed or Austin Hooper and spend a little more money and, and try to get at least some some action and some targets. But if you're going to punt, uh, I think if I'm gonna, if I'm going to punt, it's probably Dalton Schultz. But I'm not sure I'm going to do it if I'm going to need the money. But he's my punt play. Yeah, you're probably looking at like 5% ownership max and, and most likely even less than that on Schultz this week. Yeah, and you hope you get they get down inside the five and throw a jump ball to him kind of thing, which is, you know, with Swaim out, uh, definitely conceivable and kind of one of those plays that maybe differentiates you in a, in a, in a small slate. Absolutely. The other thing, uh, just general philosophy, right? If you want to stay away from Zeke and Kamara in your lineup for tournaments or you want to put two tight ends in, use a tight end in the flex, that could be something different. There's just a, a few little wrinkles like that. Uh, Dallas's defense is probably going to be, I think it's going to be the most popular defense with with the backup quarterback going. Maybe the Bears' defense will end up getting pretty high on too, but Dallas can get a lot of pressure up front, and because of that, because they're a little cheaper than the Bears at 3,200, kind of feel like that's going to be the stock defense that even play. the Bears are cheaper on DraftKings. I don't know why I thought the Bears were more expensive over there, uh, but anyway, I, I think the Cowboys are one of those defenses that people are going to gravitate towards this week. It's going to be between Chicago and, and Dallas. Yeah, I mean, the question is, does anybody go with any defense besides those two? No one's going to play the, the Falcons' defense, nope. right? <laughs> so if you want to do something totally weird like that, but I, I just don't see a compelling yeah. reason to do it. Like, the Saints don't allow a lot of sacks. They don't turn the ball over very often. Uh, so if you want to do something different, I, I think maybe Washington's defense against Dallas would be the, the different thing that I'd consider because at least, at least Washington can get to the quarterback and, and make some plays. Would you uh, would you mess with Detroit if Chase Daniel is behind center? Yes, if it's Daniel, I think the Lions are in play as well. Yeah, so we'll get to the, the big game of the day is the, is the night game. Uh, you know they uh, they they lined it up pretty well with this one. We have a pretty good matchup. It is a big spread though. New Orleans is favored by thirteen points, but over under of sixty and a half. I think this is the third straight week we've had we've had a game that uh, with a sixty point over under, which uh, says a lot about the the current state of the league in terms of how good some of the offenses are. So starting on the Atlanta side, they're they're thirteen point underdogs. You got to figure that they're going to have to throw, throw, throw to even keep up in this game, and especially in the second half, they get behind. I mean, New Orleans is so efficient right now. I think that New Orleans, especially in Atlanta's banged up D, is going to score a lot of points. So if you think that's the case, and I mean, I think that's pretty safe to say that New Orleans will score a lot. What do you do with it with Atlanta? Are you are you heavy on Atlanta with the kind of the garbage time? Are you worried about how? Uh, New, how well New Orleans played against Carson Wentz last week in the same situation. Uh, what do you do in terms of you know picking a quarterback this week? Is it Ryan or is it Breeze for you? I actually like Ryan a little bit more. I mean, I think the Saints, because of, of Ingram and Kamara both being healthy, can can run it a lot more and be more balanced than they have been uh, in the past. I mean, look at last season. It, it was a little underwhelming for Breeze attempts-wise, even though he still puts up big numbers. I mean, they score enough to where he can he can – put the TDs on the board to offset that that drop in yardage. But I'd rather save the 600 bucks, play Ryan against one of the league's worst pass defenses. I don't want to overcorrect for the Eagles laying an egg last week in New Orleans. I think Atlanta can keep this game closer than that line. I think it's more of like an 8-10 point game. Um, so, spoiler for Pentathlon, I'm taking Atlanta with the points. <laughs> and as that goes, I mean, Matt Ryan, he's going to be fine. I think he's getting over 300 yards and three touchdowns in this game fairly easily. So, it's just a matter of game theory with how owned do you expect Matt Ryan to be? Do you think he is the most owned quarterback on this slate since he's $600 cheaper than Breeze uh, on DraftKings especially? I still think Breeze comes in higher. Okay. I, I mean, with the implied total being 
so much higher for the Saints than any other team. Yeah. I think that definitely makes sense. And on FanDuel, it's like it's only 400 more. If you got to pay 8600 for Ryan on FanDuel, you might as well pay the 9000 for Breeze. I think it's going to kind of be the, the prevailing mindset. But I think those two guys are both going to be heavily, heavily used. Yeah, I think so too. I think that they're, they're going to clearly be the two highest guys. Everybody's going to want a piece of this game. They're clearly going to want the quarterback. Uh, Ryan had 374 yards and three touchdowns uh, you know, against the Saints in Atlanta last year. Granted, he's a little, he struggles more on the road, but this is indoors, so I kind of... I tossed that out a little bit here. It's a tough place to play in terms of, you know, volume and noise and stuff, but I think keeping him indoors is a pretty big thing. Great game script potential. You got to love a game that is back and forth and your quarterback is trailing. I mean, it lines up so well. So if you play Ryan, do you, do you pair him with Julio and just kind of figure out the, the rest of the lineup? Or are you dropping down to Calvin Ridley? Uh, what do you do in terms of uh, if you want to stack with someone with Ryan? I think it's really difficult to play Ryan and not play Julio, but on a three-game slate, I think you you at least think about it. But more likely, I think you, you pair him with another receiver. Uh, Ridley, I think, is going to be the guy that everybody wants to pair behind Julio if you're going to do a three-man Falcon stack. Mohamed Sanu is always the other guy. I'd probably just go Sanu or Hooper with, as the third option instead, just to be a little less chalky after going Ryan Julio. Um, the guy that's kind of forgotten about in this game is Tevin Coleman. I mean, he's 5,200 on DraftKings. Had that big game in Washington a couple of weeks ago, but he's been a, a disappointment in the week since. The Saints have been pretty good against the run all season, so the matchup doesn't really look that good on the surface. Do you think Tevin Coleman, despite being 5,200, flies under the radar as one of the lower-owned running backs in these games? I actually think he does, and I kind of like him. And we talked about game script, and you think that's how the game goes. you got to think Coleman out of the backfield becomes certainly intriguing. I know that the Saints are really good against the run, but you know if he can catch five, six balls out of the backfield, especially in DraftKings, that uh, that creates a pretty nice floor pretty quickly. He's got 15 targets over the last three games. That yeah. monster game in Week 9, seven targets, five catches, 68 yards, two receiving touchdowns in that game. I think that's where the appeal comes in with Coleman. So... He kind of fits the bill as the the sneaky player in this game that a lot of people don't seem to be that interested in that I am definitely thinking about for a tournament lineup. In terms of uh, Calvin Ridley, you mentioned him and you know his his one huge game, the three touchdown game was against the Saints, but he's had under 50 yards and no touchdowns in five of his last six games, only nine targets last two weeks. I wonder how much uh, in terms of his ownership, how much people are going to, you know, look at that first Saints game and, and and jump on or then look at his recent form and kind of jump off. So I, I'm not sure exactly where he's going to fall in. I think probably in the middle range somewhere where, as those, the, you know, those two things get split. But I really don't like what I've seen from him in this offense over the last month and a half. No, I mean, Mohamed Sanu has had a, at least a 14% target share each of the last three games, 16 and 18% the last two compared to Ridley's 10 and 12. So again, it comes down to that sort of hype. Like I, I think Calvin Ridley is a more exciting player than Mohamed yeah. Sanu. I think everybody believes that. But the way they're using those guys and, and the fact that Sanu is a little bit cheaper at 4500 makes me more interested in Sanu by comparison. I, uh, I fall in the same boat there. I think if I'm going to play a second receiver or go away from Julio, I think it's it's Sanu this week for me over Ridley. Uh, on the New Orleans side, we mentioned the implied total is, is bonkers for the Saints. They've scored 45-plus points in three games in a row, which is just, just crazy. Uh, Brees has 11 touchdowns last three weeks. He should be able to get whatever he wants, but... You look at the game script, they've got two stud running backs. Uh, you wonder, you know, if in the second half how much he has to throw. Although, I say that, and last week they were throwing deep passes on fourth down, uh, up 38-3 to three or whatever it was, and Kamara was, Kamara was uh, returning kicks. So, uh, Sean Payton has no chill right now. 
Yeah, he needs to chill a little bit with the <laughs> we're up 30 plus and Camaro's going to return kicks. Like, that was that's, odd. That's not a good idea. No. Like, you have other guys, you have 45 people on that roster. Pick someone else to go stand back there and, and call for a fair catch. That is, that's reckless. I mean, let, let's just, let's call it what it is. Traquan Smith is only 4,700 on DraftKings. If the injury has kept him out of practice these first couple days this week, that foot injury ends up knocking him out for this game, then it's a moot point. But I, I think he's he's going to be one of the highest-owned players in the pool on DraftKings because of the low price coming off the monster game. And I think the usage leading up to last week has me a little bit on the fade side with Traquan Smith. Like it, It's kind of easy for me to look at that situation and say, great, it's a good matchup again. He could go off again, but everybody's going to chase that at that price. And I think if I want to be looking for something a little different, Anthony Miller at 4,400 would be a pivot I'd strongly consider if Miller uh, has to deal with Chase Daniel. Maybe even just going from Traquan Smith to Muhammad Sanu for 200 less is actually a better way to go from a game theory perspective. That might be the the wackiest back-to-back weeks, Traquan Smith. In, in week 10 at Cincinnati, he made 51 snaps, had zero targets. Last week against the Eagles, 50 snaps, 13 targets. I mean, I don't even know how that how that happens. It's really strange. Like, if you, if you have a player you like enough to throw him the ball 13 times one week, right. he should not be a ghost the week before that. And it's not like he's, you know, some stud that everybody knew about that they were triple teaming the week before and they just went away from him. It was just, I mean, 13 targets and four for Michael Thomas last week. I, I guess the Eagles were probably just uh, just kind of funneling everybody over to him, but it still seems weird that he, he was so involved and he was involved the entire game all the way through after having zero targets before that was that was such a wacky the people that played Traquan Smith props to them you know after the zero targets I was kind of off him uh clearly I was wrong I I wanted a piece of that Saints game but I I had the wrong piece I didn't have Traquan Smith anywhere I had to cut him in my 10 team home league so that was frustrating but he's played (laughs) at least two-thirds of the snaps in six straight games he has been on the field a lot even though the target volume has fluctuated a lot I understand why people like him you just have to be really aware of how high that ownership rate could be at that price. I think uh, I think in a three-game slate, if he plays, he's a, he's a pretty big fade for me, and I'm going to take the risk that uh, maybe they do something different and go away from him this week. Yeah, maybe Ben Watson is a, is a way to get some overlooked exposure to this game. I mean, like 3,200 on DraftKings, like that's pretty reasonable. Yeah, that, uh, that could work. So if, if Smith doesn't play... Uh, what about uh, what about Keith Kirkwood? Seven targets last two weeks, kind of a, a huge flyer. But if Smith doesn't play, got to be someone else to catch the ball. Uh, do you think if Smith sits, the problem is it's a night game, so we may not know, which makes it risky. But uh, any interest in throwing Keith Kirkwood in there? It's either Kirkwood or Austin Carr, and I'm really not sure which one. Um, I'm more confident, I guess, in Carr because he's had a role all season, whereas Kirkwood, I think, was added from the practice squad. Uh, prior to week 10 so I'm just trying to get inside the mind of Sean Payton to decide like who's actually ahead in the pecking order for targets and my mind kind of points me towards Carr but there's not much that separates those two guys yeah and obviously they're they're both really cheap so it's kind of a uh, a way to maybe you know play read the injury reports and see what you see with Traquan Smith and you think maybe he doesn't play I think getting getting a piece of the Saints passing game with a little bit of a uh, target share at a really cheap price, so it becomes really interesting and gets you get some other guys in really quick. If Traquan plays, you probably get burned, but it's it's one of those risks maybe you got to take and see how it uh, how it builds the rest of your roster out. You know, the more I think about it too, Carr Carr played more snaps for a while, but he also hasn't had more than two targets in a game, so 
that's probably enough to, to steer me over to Kirkwood instead. Yeah, the, the five targets last week for Kirkwood kind of uh, kind of put me in that boat. Uh, you know, obviously, who knows? You know, it's two guys that you know haven't been heavily involved in the offense, but five targets from Dubreez uh, if if Smith sits is, a, is is something that I'll definitely jump on. What do you do with the Saints' backfield here? Uh, Kamara is eighty nine hundred on Fanduel. Ingram seventy four hundred. Uh, do you take the discount? Do you take the uh, probably the you know more involved, better player in Kamara? He has uh, you know the touches have kind of been evened out the last two weeks. Kamara has sixteen and fourteen. Ingram has sixteen each of the last two weeks. Uh, he's got a hundred yards each of the last two weeks rushing. If you think they get ahead in this game, uh, you go on Kamara out of the backfield. You go on Ingram with the carries. Uh, where do you fall between these two guys? I like Ingram more in a vacuum because I, I still think he's underpriced. And with that implied total being off the charts good, I mean, that that bodes really well for him getting plenty of work. Uh, so if I'm if I'm picking one for one lineup, it's Ingram since I'm trying to stay away from Kamara. But I think I got to play more than one lineup to even get to Ingram because I think he's also going to be very high owned at that discounted price. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I think that's where I kind of felt in this one is that if you're going to play one of these guys, I think you go with Ingram save the money and kind of use it elsewhere just with the fact that game script that you know the 13 point spread is so big but you do that and then you know Kamara scores three touchdowns and you regret it so it's a it's a tough call because Kamara's just so explosive I mentioned earlier like a really contrarian lineup build is going both Bears running backs I don't know how many people are going to jam both Kamara and Ingram into the same lineup they're both going to be popular overall but would you consider that duo as your your Saints exposure and then just go Elsewhere, you know, go a little cheaper with your pass catchers and, and just pay up for the two Saints running backs. Uh, I'd have to play with the build, but I'm interested by it, especially because the fact the Atlanta D just gets smoked by running backs out of the backfield. So I think that makes Kamara, you know, a little more interesting than normal this week. They've had a lot of troubles, you know, with injuries, stopping running backs out of the, out of the backfield. I, I, I could see a situation where they're just touching the ball the entire second half. And I think when you do that, if you, you know, you could play uh, Trubisky or Dak, you kind of have to go somewhere else, a quarterback besides Breeze or Ryan. But it, it certainly becomes interesting, and you uh, you can watch that late game and just root for a lot of handoffs, I suppose. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try that build as, uh, as, we, as we wrap up later today. I'm going to try to put that together. Think I'm going to also. I think it's. Uh, I think it's an interesting one that uh, gets you the the Saints exposure you need, and maybe a little different than the rest of the field. Yeah, that that's that's the key for me. Is like the combinations of high owned players can be unique in a way that does get you separation, even though you have the chalk. Anything else on the uh, the Thanksgiving slate you want to talk about before we move to the uh, Sunday main slate? No, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, uh, one of their Detroit wrinkles, like no one likes Legarrette Blunt, and he's crazy cheap. If you think there's any chance that he rumbles into the end zone for two TDs. I mean, especially that's a difference maker. Even if he gets one at his price on DraftKings, 3400 is really, really cheap. I think he'll be low-owned. I'm just not sure how many lineups I have to build before I'm comfortable committing to him with one of those spots. He has uh, 21 carries the last four weeks for 16 yards. Yeah, he's not going to get much for yards <laughs> against that Bears front. It's that's, just like, that's hard to do, though. It is really hard to do. Maybe Zach Zenner's the sneaky play. Like I, I mean, they, it, I have this weird suspicion though that Matt Patricia doesn't want to give up on Legarrette Blunt yet. I think that the the Blunt is certainly interesting. I mean, he's been so bad, but there is a uh, you can't you can't knock out a two touchdown possibility. If they get down to the two yard line twice, they're going to hand it to him. 
Uh, he could certainly score twice. I just I don't think he can go Zenner with with three snaps and two snaps the last couple of weeks. I know that uh, you know people started to like him now that Carryon Johnson's not playing and you know kind of as a contrarian off the radar guy. But I, I think that if they get near the end zone, they're going to hand it to Blunt. I just I, I don't think I can get I don't think I can move to Zenner at all. I don't blame you. So the Sunday slate is uh, is is a fun slate to uh, starting at the top. The first game is over under a fifty five. Is a you know one of those games that like we talked about last week with the Giants and Buccaneers is two uh, two teams with bad records. But uh, the Niners and, and Tampa Bay over under a fifty five in this game. Tampa Bay is favored by three and a half. We're moving back to Jameis Winston in the uh, the carousel that is the, the Buccaneers quarterback system. Uh, Jameis played really well last week in relief. Uh, Twelve for sixteen, a buck ninety nine, two touchdowns. Almost had a rushing touchdown. He fumbled the one that Mike Evans uh, fell on and, and, and helped out a lot of my teams. Starting on the Tampa side first, just because uh, we talked about the, the quarterback change. Uh, obviously int- intriguing, uh, low spread, high over under. What do you like from the, from the Buck side here as you start to build a Sunday main slate lineup? As much as I hate to say it, I like Jameis, especially on FanDuel at 7,500. It's 6,000 on DraftKings. It's, it's still good, but it's not quite as favorable from a, a dollars per point projection perspective uh, I'm always going to lock in on Evans when Winston's at quarterback I think the other the other pass catchers are a little bit interesting now because OJ Howard's out with that ankle injury for the rest of the season we've seen Cameron Brait pop up and, and get a lot of red zone targets from Jameis in the past you look at the secondary options Deshaun Jackson has that tendency to disappear maybe a few more targets go in the direction of Godwin but I think it's a pretty simple concentration for me where if I'm looking at Jameis I'm probably pairing him with Evans and or Braid. If I'm doing the full stack, Braid's that second guy. If I'm only doing the two-player combo, then it's going to be Evans with Winston. Do you ever think we'd be at super chalk Cameron Braid this season? No, I, I really didn't. But he he's underpriced because you know they didn't know how bad the Howard injury was going to be when right. they set the pricing. So he's going to be very popular this week. I'm glad I'm glad DraftKings boosted him up a little bit. He was 2600 last week. They moved him up to 3600 with the injury, not knowing how bad it was, but at least they moved him up. If he was 2600, the whole world would have had him. So that helps a little bit. But um, I'm one who probably tends to fade Cameron Brait at a, at, a, at a chalky percentage. I think in tournaments, I'm going to go somewhere else. I do really like Jameis this week. Got to love the setup. They just throw the ball over and over and over. You know, he's uh, he's done well when he started in terms of fantasy wise with yards. Obviously, the interceptions are a big problem, but. The guy I wanted to ask you about, actually, is Peyton Barber. Uh, good, Really good game script if they do get ahead. High over under. Uh, they are fared by three and a half. He was 18 for a buck 06 last week at the Giants. Uh, believe it or not, there's only been one running back all year over 70 yards against the Niners. I, I was shocked by that when I looked up that stat. It's Melvin Gordon with 104. Um, I was surprised how stingy the Niners' uh, rush D has been against opposing running backs. Yeah, that's something I wouldn't have expected. I mean, it's 4.1 yards per carry allowed. This season, only seven rushing touchdowns, too, so that's kind of surprising. Not many big plays, four carries of 20-plus yards allowed by the San Francisco defense. Barber, he's so cheap that you can justify it, but as you start looking at the other cheap running backs, Josh Adams is kind of interesting this week. Even LaShawn McCoy for 300 more on DraftKings at 4,200. There's other guys I can kind of talk myself into pretty quickly, so I I don't think I'm going to end up with any Peyton Barber this week, how about you? Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not totally. I'm not convinced on Fanduel. He's 5800, but DraftKings he's 3900, 
And I like him significantly more than McCoy and uh, who's the other guy you mentioned and Josh Adams. So I think I'm going to at 3900. I think I'm going to have some pieces. I think that uh, the, the chances for a touchdown are pretty good. The chances for pretty good involvement are good. I think at 3900, that's a lot of uh, a lot of touches that, that you're going to get for the price. So I think what I, I've also been faced with this week is that I, I like a few guys in the five thousand dollar range. Like Matt Breida, a lot on the Me other too. side at 5,700. Yep. So when you start using those guys and you pair them up with 7K plus running backs at the top, there isn't always a roster spot left for the Peyton Barber types. So this does look like a like it's about a good of a spot from a price and volume and implied total standpoint as you can ask for for Barber. Other than the Niners' run defense being better than we expected, the touch volume for the price does make some sense. But I don't think I'm going to have him this week. I think uh, as I build lineups, I think that 3900 is going to end up in my flex spot uh, a few times. All right. Uh, If you're on it, it's probably a good idea. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. If you're looking for a credit card that fits your lifestyle, look no further. U.S. Bank has credit cards that make every day rewarding, no matter what you're into. Feeling hungry? Check out the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. And get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. That'll keep your wallet and your mouth full. Big spender? The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card has a low intro APR for large purchases or balance transfers. And you call the shots with the U.S. Bank Cash Plus Visa Signature Card. Choose two categories each quarter. Earn 5% back on your first $2,000 of eligible purchases from those categories. So don't just get a credit card. Get the right card to make every day more rewarding. Cash back, merchandise, travel rewards, and low intro APRs are waiting. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. So you mentioned Brita. I really like Brita this week, too. Uh, you know, great game last, last week against the Giants, or last game they played. They had a bye last week. But 17 for 101 and a touchdown rushing, 3 for 31 and a touchdown receiving. Uh, for Brita this year, it's all been about staying on the field. When he's been on the field, he's been really good. He's left a number of games early with injuries, and it's been a little frustrating in that regard. Whenever he's played... He's been really good. The Buccaneers have allowed 17 touchdowns to running backs this year, which leads the NFL, which is just a crazy number. Saquon went crazy on him last week, 142 yards rushing, two touchdowns, one receiving. Uh, I think Breida, 6,400 on Fandles, uh, definitely a play. 5,700 you mentioned on DraftKings, also still a play. Uh, I think Breida's going to be a lot of my lineups this week. Yeah, I think he's going to be about as popular as he's ever been because yeah. of the, the usage, the matchup, and the price. But it looks a lot like good chalk to me. Uh, I agree there. What anything to do with the passing game? Nick Mullins will be back at quarterback. Um, you know, I think if you wanna if you want a big play guy in 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 FanDuel for a receiver, Marquise Goodwin at five thousand is about as cheap as you're gonna get for a guy who can take the top off the defense at any time. But I'm not sure Mullins is the guy you want thrown to him. He's fifty six fifty six hundred on DraftKings, so I'm not as interested there. You don't usually see guys that are more expensive on DK, but uh, he hasn't top five targets all year long, so you know a tournament play only. But what about George Kittle? He's uh, you know, he's got, he moved up to the elite of the tight ends in his two games with Nick Mullins. He's four for 108, nine for 83 on 10 targets against the Giants. Kind of their main weapon in the passing game. He actually has the most yards after catch of any receiver or tight end in the whole NFL. Great matchup. We're going to have to get some piece of this Niners offense against Tampa Bay. you got to love anybody going against Tampa Bay. Are you paying up for Kittle at all this week at tight end at, at 7,500 on FanDuel? That is really steep. So what I what I think you have is you have a a tournament player who is going to be low owned, even though, you know, he's extremely talented. So the setup is not bad in terms of where the targets are going to go. I just think it's going to be tough for me to have enough left over at the end 
to pay up for Kittle in most of my lineups when there's a few other discounted tight ends that I'm more interested in. I mean, Greg Olson's still 4,400 on DraftKings. That's, that's weird, right? Like, he should cost more than that. And Joku's under 4K. You know, Doyle's still around the $4,000 mark. We talked about the break shock already. Uh, I think it's going to be really hard for me to find money for Kittle this week, but that does make him probably a viable GPP option. And I think the problem is, is, you, is you, if you do have that, you know, that spot at tight end, I think you're going to go 7,600 on Zach Ertz, and I think a lot of people will do that instead. And it might bring Kittle's ownership down even more. But I'm, I would have a hard time going Kittle over Ertz this week, especially uh, you know looking for the Ertz bounce back. Yeah, I mean the Giants' defense, nothing special either. So I think that's that's where the interest comes in. But man, you look at Tampa Bay; they've allowed 25 passing TDs. They still have just one pick on the year. Opposing passers have a 124.9 passer rating against them. Does Nick Mullins throw an interception this week? Yeah, I think he probably does. Probably just one, though. All right. Uh, next game is, is one we can get through pretty quick as, as we move through here. We've got a lot of games to get. Is Jacksonville at Buffalo. Uh, two good defenses. Well, Jacksonville, you know, good defense, not as good as they were <laughs> last year. Um, Jacksonville minus three, over under 37.5, uh, makes this game really, really ugly from a, from a fantasy perspective. You mentioned LaShawn McCoy earlier. I think the other side of the ball, Leonard Fournette's probably the, the guy that people will be playing in this game. He's 8,100 on FanDuel. They sure haven't eased him back in from the injury. 29 and 30 touches in his two games. He was not uh, very efficient last week against Pittsburgh. You know, 28 for 95, but, you know, got the ball a lot. Did have uh, 46 recep- receiving yards, which helped too. Uh, Marlon Max, the only running back over 100 yards on the Bills this year. Uh, with the option at the top of the running back field, are you playing Fournette this week? I like him in cash because of the volume. Uh, I'm hesitant to go after him in tournaments because I think the ownership rate is going to be pretty high. And as you said, the efficiency has been lacking. So I think it is more contest dependent as far as my my interest goes. I mean, I think in in tournaments, I, I'm not really sure what I want to do at the top just yet for tournaments. If I want to pay up for Saquon Barkley. Do you think 9,100 scares people away when you have a guy like Fournette at 6,700, when you got David Johnson at 7,300? Like, do you think it sets up favorably for for Barkley to be kind of ignored because he's in his own price tier? Uh, I think the big thing on, on Barkley being ignored is I think everybody in the world is going to play Melvin Gordon this week. Yeah, 8,600 going up against Arizona. That's probably where the high-end running back one types are going to go. McCaffrey at 7,900 is going to pull a lot of ownership too. Yeah, I think I like Gordon and McCaffrey a lot at the top this week. So your point then, Barkley might, uh, as the highest priced guy, might uh, might be a little bit lower than usual with uh, with the with the Gordon and McCaffrey love this week. Yeah, no, and there's not any matchup based reason to stay away. So it just comes down to what cheap pieces you can do, throw in there around him to to build up the lineup the way you want it. You mentioned LaShawn McCoy earlier when we were talking about cheap guys. He's cheap on DK, 6000 on FanDuel, not that cheap there. Uh, great game last uh, game against the, against the Jets, his, his best game of the year. Uh, this defense shut down James Conner last week. I know they haven't been the same defense as they have in the past, but their run D's still been pretty good. Uh, I'm just not interested in McCoy versus this defense at all. I don't know who's going to play court. Is, is Josh Allen back this week? He is back, right? He's back, yeah. I just uh, I'm, I'm, I just want no part of the Buffalo offense. I don't want to watch it. I don't want to have to own anybody in it. Uh, McCoy was good last week, but I'm, I'm just staying away. Yeah, you don't you don't have to subject yourself to it, so no. there's no reason to. Uh, moving on to the next game is kind of an interesting one. We've got an over-under 47.5, Bengals favored by 3.5 at home against the Browns. Um, starting on the Browns side, you know, the Cincinnati defense has been shredded uh, up and down the field the last uh, couple months. 
Uh, what do you like from the Cleveland side? You know, I, I, I keep looking for someone to play on this side. I think that Nick Chubb's going to be very popular at 7,500 on FanDuel. Monster game in Week 10 against the Falcons. Uh, you know, Gus Edwards, you mentioned him earlier, was had 115 yards against this defense last week. They've given up a TD to a running back every game since Week 1, which is crazy. 11 touchdowns to running backs in the last five games. Uh, is Nick Chubb going to be as high as percentage I think he's going to be? Yeah, it's a season high price on DraftKings at 6,300, but I, I don't totally hate it. I mean, I think at Cincinnati or versus Cincinnati is some low hanging fruit right now when you're looking at running backs every week. Um, I don't have any real problem rolling him out there. Kind of like Sony Michelle though for 500 less on DraftKings. Like I am, I'm always the dummy that falls into the Sony Michelle trap though, so I, I should probably recuse myself from any further Sony Michelle analysis this season. We will get to the Patriots game, and I actually like Sony Michelle, uh, Michelle also this week. So that's uh, that's a bit troubling that we both like him. That's probably not a good sign. Uh, what do you do with Jarvis Landry this game? Another great matchup, and he has just sucked the last few weeks in great matchups. We keep looking at him, the targets and all that. Um, only 12 targets last couple of weeks. So we had all those double-digit weeks, and then he kind of slowed down a little bit. Hasn't topped 50 yards in three weeks. His price is down to 5,900 on DraftKings, 6,100 on FanDuel. Really cheap there. Do you go back to Jarvis Landry at all, or is, are you going to be able to talk me off of this one? Well, the Bengals are nothing special against wide receivers. They're giving up, I think, the eighth most fantasy points to opposing receivers on DraftKings this season. Landry, the air yards, the air yards per snap, per game, you know, the target percentage, all that stuff's favorable. The catch rate's low, and I think a lot of that comes down to the quality of the targets he's been receiving this year. The price has fallen a bit especially at 5,900 on DraftKings where every catch is worth a full point. Yep. I'm back in this week, so I, I like him especially on DraftKings. Do you think he's popular, or do you think the Cleveland exposure is going to be so heavily concentrated on Nick Chubb that discounted Jarvis Landry garners less attention than usual? I think we've finally gotten to the point where he's not going to be popular anymore. Good. That's a good time to, to, to get in. I mean, I, uh, I, I fully agree with that, yeah. Is he cash game viable, or is he tournament only for you? I think he's actually at the price. I think he's both. All right. So that, that's pretty interesting. You can yell at me next Thursday for that take. Well, I, <laughs> like I said, I'm having a terrible year from a cash game approach perspective. But compared to Tyler Boyd on the other side at 6,000 on DraftKings, who are you more interested in in their respective matchups in this game? Probably depends if uh, if A.J. Green plays. But uh, I think I like Landry a little bit more going against Sissy defense. Uh, what about Baker Mayfield? Fifty five hundred on DraftKings, really cheap there. Do you do you dip your toe in that water at all? You can think about it. The Bengals are giving up the most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks this season. So Baker Mayfield, kind of in a dream scenario matchup wise, I'd like it better if they were at home. But um, in, in GPPs, I think you can do dumber things than build a lineup around Baker Mayfield this week. Uh, I agree there. I think he's an interesting GPP guy. I think that, uh, you know, multiple touchdowns in four straight games. The yardage has not been high, but this feels like a game to me that might get a little shootouty if uh, if A.J. Green does end up playing, you know, and, and Cincinnati has all their weapons. Uh, what do you do on the Cincinnati side? You know, Green, uh, you know, sounds like he might play. It's going to be probably one of those come down to the wire decisions. Uh, how do you feel about Joe Mixon this week? Down to 7,300 on Fandle. He was awful at Baltimore in their last game, but, you know, that's Baltimore. I think we can kind of toss that one out. Cleveland's allowed four, has di four different games. They've allowed a running back over 130 yards rushing, so like a complete opposite to the Niners stat we talked about earlier. 
really good game script, uh, decent, you know, solid over under, uh, low spread. He does lose catches to Gio Bernard now, so he's not quite as effective out of the backfield. But uh, how do you feel about Mixon this week? You know, in a tournament, I'd pay the extra 500 bucks to go from Chubb to Mixon. All right. uh, I think you look at him versus Fournette. I think he'll be a lot lower owned than Fournette. I think the matchup is really good. So the volume fluctuates more than it probably should with Mixon. Gio Bernard being healthy maybe scares some people away. But I think Mixon's in the uh, circle of trust for tournament running backs under K this week. Yeah, I I agree there. I actually do. I do like Mixon coming off the uh, coming off the down game. I think this game's going to be one that's going to go over. I take the over on the forty-seven and a half here. If you are uh, going to build a Baker sack real quick, would you go Landry and Injoku or just Landry? I would just go Landry. Okay. Yeah, you, you don't want to overdo it. And I think if I, if I were because Chubb's going to be involved. Yeah, and if I were to build a, a Baker Landry stack, I think I'm going to go up at tight end to be different because uh, I'm saving so much at, at, at quarterback. I probably go if I'm going with a Baker uh, Baker Landry stack, I'm going to go either Kittle or Ertz this week. I like it. Uh, I like that a lot, actually. So uh, moving on to the next game, we talked about it. Uh, we talked about Sony Michelle. We've got New England headed to the Jets. New England's fared by nine and a half in this game, over under a forty six. Tom Brady's in a weird, weird run right now. He's got five touchdown passes total the last five games. That's like what Andrew Luck does in a half. He has a, he, and he has a three-touchdown game in that stint, too. So he has one touchdown total the last three weeks. The yards are still there. This has been a weird touchdown season for Brady. And uh, how, do you, how do you kind of feel about this offense right now? It's been, it's been a strange year for the Patriots so far. You know, the Jets have had a lot of injuries on the defensive side. The Patriots got embarrassed in Week 10. They've had a bye. They've had extra time to stew over it. Extra time to prepare. I think they come out and just crush. I, I think the line is actually not even big enough in this case. And I think the the lack of TDs for Brady looks like an anomaly to me. I mean, he had three three touchdown games in the first five weeks. Had that weird game at Detroit where nothing seemed to work in week three. Kind of folded in there. The Gronk lack of red zone targets continues to baffle me. Gronk seems to be healthy. Seems to be ready to go coming off this game, off this uh, this bye week. So I, I think things are all starting to fall into place. We've seen Josh Gordon's role really evolve over the last six weeks or so. Everything is lining up for Brady to start doing more typical Brady things down the stretch. And I think it began here in week 12. And if you want to pay up at quarterback, which most people don't, Brady's going to be under the radar this week as far as his ownership goes. I think people are looking at the the TDs and the fantasy points and they're disappointed, but the attempts 35 plus attempts in all but one game this season, you're getting a lot of volume. It's crazy. He's still the most expensive quarterback on DraftKings this week. Yeah, that, that's dumb. I mean, he should be <laughs> like 5,800 or something. Like he should cost less than Phillip rivers, but the price makes him interesting for tournaments because I think the price is a clear deterrent for a lot of people. You sound like you're, uh, you're playing Brady this week. I'm definitely planning on building one tournament lineup with Brady in it. So if you do so, uh, you've got Julian Edelman, you've got Josh Gordon. Edelman has double-digit targets uh, with you know in the last couple of games with 24 catches over the last three games. Uh, the uh, the Jets have allowed just allowed 90 yards to both Zay Jones and Robert Foster of all people in Week 10, their last game. Josh Gordon's hitting on big plays. He has 80 yards in three of his last four double-digit targets last two weeks. So how do you pick between these two guys if you want to stack someone with Brady? Gordon being 600 cheaper and having 22 targets the last two games, that's enough for me to just go ahead and, and put Brady with Gordon. You're looking for those big plays. Yeah, Edelman can go underneath, go volume heavy and, and on DraftKings. 
just go crazy like that. Maybe maybe flipping to Edelman is the more contrarian approach. But I think you're already getting a low enough ownership on Brady. Where even if Gordon ends up being a lot more popular, you're fine. You're going to have other things in your lineup that are unique enough anyway. So you mentioned Sony Michelle, 6,600 on FanDuel, uh, 5,800 on DraftKings. Uh, great game script for the running game, obviously. You know, this f- figures to be more of a Sony Michelle game than a James White game with a, with a nine-and-a-half point favorite, uh, favorite uh, spot for the Patriots. Uh, he was really rough his first game back, 11, 11 carries for 31 yards, but should be fully rested off the bye, should be fully healthy now. Uh, I think Michelle's a really nice spot at the price this week. I, I agree with you on this one. Yeah, the weeks four through six, you know, before he got hurt, he was playing 30-plus snaps, getting at least 18 carries each of those games. This doesn't have much of a role in the passing game to fall back on, but in a game where they're so heavily favored, I don't think you're really worried about the game script washing him away in this one. I think uh, I think a lot of my builds will be uh, Melvin Gordon uh, plus one of Chubb, Michelle, and Breida. I like that uh, I like that mid-range this week. Yeah, it's a it's a really nice mid-range. Uh, anybody on? What, sorry, before I get to Jess side the ball, do you do you mess with Gronk at all this week? Supposed to play sixty nine hundred on FanDuel. He is uh, fifty one hundred on DraftKings. Do you mess with him at all this week? Gronk should never cost more or less than sixty nine hundred on either site. So <laughs> FanDuel comes in and does exactly what FanDuel should do with his price this week. Probably not using him there. Fifty one hundred on DraftKings though is is more enticing. You know, like that's. If I'm going to play Gronk, it's there. Lean right now is that I'm probably not playing Gronk this week. Yeah, it's so tough. Like you could see him come out and just running over people, but we just don't know how healthy he really is. You know, he's a thousand bucks less than than Kittle, thirteen hundred bucks less than Ertz on DraftKings. It's uh, it gets interesting. But every time I, every time this so far this year I've done that, it has not worked out so so well. But you got to think at some point, uh, healthy Gronk is a, is a, is a big weapon for this team down the stretch. Somehow Brady Gronk is a sneaky tournament stack though. Like that that that's that's like the devil on my shoulder and like, yeah, you're gonna play Gronk. Like I mean, how weird is that? That Brady and Gronk would be a contrarian tournament stack. Yeah, I don't think we would have called that uh, earlier this year for sure. Do you do anything on the Jet side of the ball? I have uh, I have one guy that's mildly interested in me on DraftKings, but is there anybody in the Jet side you like? At a at a glance, no. I, I really didn't see anybody that was standing out to me. And the receivers are really cheap, so I think they're playing catch-up with McCown under center. Uh, maybe you could take your pick with Quincy Inunua or Jermaine Curse. If I were going to do that, it'd probably be Quincy Inunua. He had eight targets, only caught four passes for 18 yards against the Bills, but he had eight targets in Week 10, so I think he'd be the receiver I'd want to take that chance on. My, uh, my guy I like here at 2,900 on DraftKings is actually Chris Herndon. Seven catches the last two games, eight targets, so he's kind of involved. Um, Sam Darnold should be back, so hopefully that helps him a little bit. I just think a pure punt play based on a good game script. You know, if they're down by 10, throwing the whole second half, I think at 2,900, if I can get someone I think is going to see, you know, four to six targets at tight end, he becomes an interesting play. Obviously a full punt, a tournament play, but someone that I think can help you get some guys in lineups that uh, won't be highly owned. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. I don't don't think I'm doing that myself, but we'll see how much I spend up at running back if that becomes necessary for any lineups. Hey, last week I recommended uh, Ricky Seals-Jones at the same price, so what could go wrong? I was all over it, Scott. It didn't work for me. <laughs> it, did not, it did not work for me either. I, was, uh, I think I'm finally off the Ricky Seals-Jones bandwagon. <laughs> the, the logic the lot checked out. So, uh, so lock in really about uh, lock in what seven seven catches for a buck twenty this week for Ricky Seals Jones. Then, I, I do think we'll talk about that game in a minute. I think Arizona keeps that game a little closer than people expect. If that 
if that helps anybody. Uh, so, yeah, we will get to that game in a second. Next game is the Giants at Philly. Uh, Philly favored by six over under of 46. Uh, weird year for Philly coming off the Super Bowl. They have struggled badly. But on the Giants' side of the ball, you know, I think it's always Saquon and Odell Beckham. Saquon's just so good. 100 total yards in every game but one. 20-plus touches each of the last five weeks. I think it, 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 it's all a matter if you want to pay up for him this week. Yeah, it is. And I'm looking at the the Baker stack we talked about before. That frees up that extra cash where maybe it's Ertz or maybe you're paying up a little more for Barkley. I, I think... I don't know if you can get both. I don't know if you can pay the tax on Ertz and the tax on Barkley and come away with enough cash at the end, but I'm definitely thinking about Barkley as a guy that will be under-owned because of the pricing of Gordon, 500 less on DraftKings, and Christian McCaffrey at 7,900 on DraftKings. What about that? What about Odell Beckham? Double-digit targets, uh, seven weeks in a row, and then only four last week. He did score. It was kind of a weird game against Tampa Bay where you know we really thought he was going to go off and see 13 targets. He only got four. But four touchdowns the last four weeks. The Eagles' secondary, more than anything, is just so banged up. Ronald Darby's out. A bunch of other guys are hurt. Uh, do you like Odell Beckham this week? Do you like Sterling Shepard kind of off the uh, off the quiet couple back-to-back weeks? Uh, how do you feel about the Giants' pass catchers in this game, especially if, they, if they're coming from behind? You know, I, I like Beckham the same way I like Barkley. I just wonder if people are going to stay away because for a thousand less, you can have Mike Evans. For thirteen hundred less, you can have Juju Smith-Schuster uh, in a game where Antonio Brown probably matches up with Chris Harris. Like, there's a few wrinkles on the slate that just—it's kind of like the Antonio Brown problem with a different player. I mean, like the volume's a little more erratic, but I, I think Beckham cruises by with lower than should have ownership, and that always makes him intriguing. I kind of look at last week how the Eagles really focused on Michael Thomas and kind of you know made sure to shut him down, and Traycon Smith got all the targets. I wonder if that could happen this week with Sterling Shepard. He's 5,300 on DraftKings, 6,000 on FanDuel. Only five targets last couple of weeks, but I'm a little bit intrigued based on how last week worked out with how the, how the Eagles played their secondary. Eli is so much more myopic than Drew Brees, <laughs> though. Like You don't I, say. I just don't. I, even if there's extra attention on Beckham, I feel like Eli is going to just stare at him and chuck a ball three feet over his head and hope that Beckham comes down with it. I hate watching Eli play. Yeah, I really try to avoid it as much as I can. Which sucks because I love watching Barkley and, and Odell Beckham, and it just comes with a, a strong side of Eli, which drives me crazy. Would you would you pay like 10 bucks for a Red Zone channel add-on that just like turns Eli Manning into like a cartoon character of your choice so that way you don't have to actually watch Eli? My answer is yes whether you meant overall in the season or per, per or per week. Yeah, I'd pay 10 bucks a week for that. <laughs> uh, Evan Ingram played only 17 snaps last week. I guess they like Rhett Ellison's blocking, so I'm a I'm a full avoid on Ingram right now until I see more activity. He did have 66 yards. He had that one big uh, one big catch, but uh, the way they're using Ingram this week or right now, I, just, I don't think you can use him this week. No, it's unfortunate. It's just the offensive line struggling enough where he's more of a receiver. Like he is he is a oversized receiver, and that's a bad fit for him. I don't know why they don't go with some formations where they kind of stick him as a receiver and have Ellison block and kind of play both of them on snaps. Yeah, you could. You could do that. Um, you know, sometimes you're limited by the the creativity of your own imagination, though. That is that is very true. On the other side of the ball, we mentioned Carson Wentz uh, at the beginning. You know, he had been kind of firing on all cylinders, had really been playing well for about uh, – he had multiple touchdowns in six weeks in a row – 
and just was brutal against the Saints last week. Uh, what do you do uh, in this game? Do you feel a uh, do you feel a Wentz bounce back coming? Are you really worried about that game last week? The Bucks had 366 yards uh, passing between uh, Jameis and Fitz against the uh, Giants last week. Uh, what do you do with Wentz? 7700 on Fanduel. You know he's priced pretty nicely. Uh, do you go back to him? Do you stay away? How do you feel about the Eagles' offense this week? Because I'm uh, I'm kind of up in the air on the on the whole offense at the moment. I'm not inclined to stack because of some other things I like. But at the same time, if somebody said, I'm really thinking about going for the Eagles on the bounce back, I liked him so much last week, even beyond the matchup against the Saints, that I can't talk people out of it. I, I think going back to the well, I, I think Carson Wentz is good. Like it, it's, it's very simple analysis, but I think he is really good. I believe in Doug Peterson. And I still think there could be some issues for them running the ball. So the Giants might be the exception to this, though. Like, without Damon Harrison, this this is a defense that teams are running on with ease. Who'd have thought, right? Yeah, yeah, no doubt there. Um, I think I like the bounce back. I think I like a Wentz-Ertz stack that's going to be um, low percentage. I think Ertz, you know, three targets last week, had nine or more in every game but one before that. But I looked at the Saints. They are really good against tight ends. Uh, they are. We, we didn't talk about that. We talked about Hooper. But the Saints have been really strong against tight ends. Good bounce back spot. O.J. Howard had 78 yards on him last week until he got hurt. George Kittle had 83 the week before that. The Giants can't really cover the tight ends. Um, I think that uh, I think going back to Wentz and Ertz won't be popular this week, but something that I, I'm probably going to end up doing. I mean, for the price difference, it's like $400 more to get Wentz than Mayfield. So if you want to, if you're going to build the, the Mayfield Landry Ertz combo, you could just swap in Wentz for 400 more. That seems more appealing. Uh, that's a, probably a, a pretty good call right there. I, I hadn't, uh, I hadn't seen Wentz's price on DK yet, but only 400 more. I think that's uh that's an, that's an interesting uh, little lineup there. I kind of like that. Yeah. Gets you a lot of flexibility for top end running backs too. You mentioned uh, Josh Adams earlier. He played a season-high 28 snaps last week, had six targets. Uh, He's definitely on the rise. I think he's the best running back there. I just don't trust their running back rotations uh, to play in DFS. I think maybe as a a tournament shot at the price, you could do it, but uh, not someone I'm as high on as I've kind of heard the the DFS community on this week. I'd like to see more before investing, and that means I have to – risk the possibility that he goes off at a low price this week but because of those five thousand dollar mid-range backs we talked about being more stable in their role and having good matchups as well uh brita and marlon mack are just calling my name instead so i'm paying up for that flex spot this week yeah i uh i agree with you there i think people are going to play adams but i like i would go peyton barber over adams without a second thought oh okay yeah that's pretty interesting i think you're going to get him at a reasonably low ownership rate too and same price, but I, I probably jump up in that mid range a little bit more. So maybe those guys in the flex spot, but uh, I don't know. I just like uh, when I'm going to play someone at a low price. I like to see touches or targets if it's a receiver. I just like to. I like. To, I think to, I like to know the guys. The ball's going to be in the guys' hands more than anything. Yeah, uh, that, that absolutely makes sense. Uh, moving through here, we've got the next game: Seattle at Carolina. Probably another interesting one in terms of you know if you're trying to find a game that might uh, score some points. Over under is 47 and a half. Carolina minus three and a half. Seattle's become a weird team this year. They have they have 150 rushing yards at least in seven straight games. They have moved from a team that throws the ball and kind of you know flings it around a lot to a team that is you know runs the ball more than anybody in the NFL. Uh, Russell Wilson has multiple touchdowns in six straight games, but they run so much. I kind of see his ceiling being limited week to week, and that's uh, in a DFS standpoint, that's not what you want. No, uh, it hurts him even as a guy that you want to build tournament lineups around. 
and the 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 attempts are are so light that you don't feel great about him in cash. He's kind of in this this strange middle zone right now. The price isn't bad. Again, DraftKings fifty six hundred. Okay, like you can talk yourself into it. Do you think Chris Carson safely the lead back after the usage though last week against Green Bay? Seventeen carries, eighty three yards, found the end zone once, didn't catch any passes. I think in three of the last four games he's played, Chris Carson has not been targeted as a pass catcher. So you. You know, you, you know what you're going to get from a, if they're playing from behind, he's not going to do much perspective. Do you have any interest in Carson at 4,600 on DraftKings? I think he is the lead back, but uh, I think that's a little bit different in this situation than it is in others. I just, he only still only had 29 slaps, snaps last week. I just, I think they moved the ball around enough. I really like Chris Carson. I think he's good and I think he's playable at 4,600 on, on DraftKings. I just, I think if I'm going to go, I'm either going to go up to uh, a couple of the guys I like more. We mentioned earlier, and there's a guy I like a lot more coming up later. Or if I'm going to go down, I'd go probably go to Jalen Richard or Josh Adams or Peyton Barber before I went Carson. I just he's kind of in that weird middle range where you can go up to a guy I like more or drop down to a guy I like almost as much. And uh, with the way they move the ball around, I just I just can't fully trust him. I, in, a, in a season long league, I'm playing him for sure. I think I think he'll be fine. But in a DFS spot, uh, I just like the guy to, to get a lot more uh, a lot more action. What are you doing with Doug Baldwin this week? He's only 5,100 on DraftKings. Coming off a big game against Green Bay. Seems like that knee is feeling a little bit better. 10 targets, 7 catches, 52 yards. Are you interested in that uh, uh, discounted price on Baldwin? Yeah, I wish he wasn't so cheap so I could just say no. But uh, I think yeah, you kind of you kind of have to at that price with uh, you know DraftKings obviously is the, uh, the full point PPR. He had 10 targets last week like you mentioned. He just, uh, I know he's not doing a lot with the targets. He only had 52 yards, did score the touchdown. Uh, so kind of a kind of a tepid yes, just strictly based on the price, but not someone I'm, I'm attacking aggressively. Now, the other side of this matchup is really interesting because DJ Moore had a monster game last week. Oof. Curtis Samuel played well, too. This is a team that's got a lot of speed between Moore, Samuel, Christian McCaffrey. And then you add Olsen and Funchess as two guys that are good enough players to be dangerous. So where do you pick your spots with Carolina? Are you still gravitating towards Christian McCaffrey because his role is still stable week to week? Or do you have a pass catcher that you like with the prices being as low as they are? I think that if uh, if I'm doing it, it's either it's either Cam by himself or McCaffrey by himself. I just think they, you know, the the week to week trying to predict the receivers would be a little too tough. There are people that won tournaments last week at DJ Moore. I saw the uh, the guy that won the Millionaire Maker did have DJ Moore, and he had seven for one fifty seven and a touchdown is obviously huge, but. He had 36 yards total the two weeks before that. So, you know, that's one of those plays that, you know, obviously a risky, high upside guy, but such a low floor. I guess you could go on with him in tournaments. But if I'm going to go anybody in this offense, right now it's Christian McCaffrey. Seattle allowed two touchdowns on 100-plus yards to Aaron Jones last week. Gurley had a touchdown 160 yards the week before that. Melvin Gordon had 16 carries for a buck 13 and touchdown the week before that. So they're really struggling to really good running backs right now. McCaffrey's floor is so nice. You know, five targets or more in five straight games. Over 100 total yards last three weeks. I think that McCaffrey might slide in a little bit lower than uh, than most weeks, just because I think everybody's going to go with Melvin Gordon at that same price. Uh, McCaffrey's easily my favorite play on the Panthers this week. Yeah, I'm really having a hard time with those mid-range running backs, uh, not just having one of like McCaffrey or Barkley or one of those high-end guys, and kind of going away from the usual pattern of, of paying up for two really high-end running backs. And you mentioned Devin Funches. He hasn't topped 50 yards in a month or 80 yards all year. That guy sucks. He's just out there taking up space. But <laughs> just when you think like, oh, he's dead, he'll I score know. and take a TD away from one of those younger, more explosive players that everyone's so excited about. 
He, uh, I had Cam in a couple spots last week. And he dropped a touchdown last week that uh, that bugged me. So uh, he's he's on my he's on my bad list at the moment. I get it. Drop touchdowns are brutal. James Conner had one that would have salvaged the day a little yeah. bit. Oh, that was um, that was a bad one too. That was wide open to win the game. I think Mike Evans had one two weeks ago that I, I saw. It just hit it. It was yeah. It was the week where they had a bunch of yards and no touchdowns, and it was like, how how do you you get hit in the chest? How do you not catch that? A game we could probably uh, fly through pretty quick here is Oakland at Baltimore. Baltimore's a ten and a half point favorite over under forty three. Kind of the main guy I wanted to ask you about here is Lamar Jackson. He's up to 7,400 on FanDuel now. They priced him up from last week. Super intriguing fantasy option. He got 24 carries last week. I know he had 27, but the final three were kneeled down, so I'm not counting those. But 24 carries within the, within the path of the game. 117 yards rushing, threw for 150. He had a playable game in DFS, and he had zero touchdowns. Like If he mixes in a couple touchdowns, he becomes really interesting. I just wonder what you think if that is, is sustainable for him to have 24 carries, if they mix up the offense a little more this week, if you're worried about game flow here. Uh, how are you handling Lamar Jackson in DFS this week? You know, I'm kind of cutting the the rushing attempts in half. I think he's more of like okay. a 15 rushing attempts guy this week for me and probably like 20, 25 passing attempts. Oakland's not good against the run or the pass. So Jackson just, can just be not fine good here. anywhere. They're, they're bad in every facet. They... Um, <laughs> The thing about Baltimore, though, Willie Sneed, I think, led the team in target share last week, and Nick Boyle was second. So it's Jackson solo. It's not Jackson plus a pass catcher at all. Uh, I think he's still cheap enough to make value at 5,700 on DraftKings. I I don't know if I'm locked in on on building a Jackson lineup this week, though. It, it, it seems fair. I just don't know if it's a must-build situation. I, I think as I stare at it, I'm going to have a hard time taking him over Carson Wentz, Philip Rivers, or Baker Mayfield. When it when it comes down to it, maybe even Russell Wilson. It's hard for me to hard for me to jump in there. And I kind of agree with you on the carries. I think twenty four is you know that I, I read a stat earlier. Michael Vick never had more than fifteen in any game ever. Um, so I think the twenty four is not sustainable. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like you'd want to build an offense quite like that. I mean, he's a great runner, but yeah, Oakland's gonna gonna leave uh, some some opportunities out there for Jackson to I think get a little more involved through the air to, to maybe build up some rapport. I don't know if it's going to be with anyone else other than Sneed and Boyle. Maybe it's John Brown. And John Brown's so good after the catch, you'd think that maybe incorporating him more into that offense would be something they'd want to do. Revenge game for Michael Crabtree doesn't move the needle for me at all. It's either Jackson solo or, or Void. Uh, with Gus Edwards, I mentioned picking him up in season long. That's the extent of my interest. He's only 4400 but there's other running backs that aren't that much more expensive I just like better this week. Yeah, and I think that uh, I think they can just kind of play a hot hand in, in Baltimore. They've got like four different running backs they can give the ball to. He looked really good last week, and you know with Lamar Jackson, the way they're running it, you know, he can, becomes really interesting. It's like the the old LaShawn McCoy with Tyrod Taylor, like he just opens up so many lanes when the defense has to account for another another a ball carrier. But I just I just don't trust the I don't trust the touches. I want to see it one more week. Um, but uh, Oakland side of the ball, anybody here? I think Jalen Richard at forty three hundred on DraftKings is, is a little bit interesting, but. There's probably other guys I like more. He did get 11 carries last week after Doug Martin got hurt. Doug Martin's not going to play this week. 22 carries last four weeks. He could be an interesting, weird kind of floor guy at a cheap price in a, in a nice game script. Tough matchup, but, you know, if they get down, you got to think they dump off to him kind of all day in the second half. Yeah, he'd be the guy I'd play if I was going to play one, but other than that, really no interest in that Raiders team. Moving to the three afternoon games, we have the Cardinals at the Chargers. Another big spread here, 12.5-point spread. Anybody on the Arizona side that you're interested in with the with the spread that way? Spread's too big. Uh, David Johnson, still on my radar. Uh, I don't know if he's 
is he a cash game play in this scenario? Maybe. I mean, he's got 22, 28. He's got 28 and 26 touches the last two weeks. It's kind of like the Fournette thing where they're just using him so much and his efficiency is better than Fournette's. I think the Cardinals keep this game closer than that line. I, maybe I'm just bitter because the Chargers uh, cost me in Survivor last week. But uh, I actually think Arizona is functioning more like a legitimate NFL offense right now. And when you've got Johnson, Fitz, and, and Kirk healthy, that's enough to move the ball a little bit, even against a good defense like the Chargers. And they, uh, the nice thing with Johnson is two weeks ago when they were playing Kansas City, he did have nine targets. So they, you know, when they need to, they're involving him in the passing game. I just I worry a little bit about the game script, but you know if you think Arizona keeps it closer, then I think Johnson at a, at a lower percentage than last week becomes pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I'm I'm totally with you on that. On the other side of the ball, we've we've mentioned Melvin Gordon a few times. We talked about other running backs. I think it's pretty clear he's gonna be uh, he's gonna be huge percentage this week. He's at over 140 total yards per game in the last five weeks. Has at least four targets in every game. So in, in addition to the touches he gets running, especially in a game script like this, he's very involved in the passing game. You know they have so many weapons that, that they get him out in space really well. Arizona allows like 170 yards total to running backs so far this year. I mean they just get been thrashed by running backs. A prime matchup. The game script is great as long as they don't get too far ahead. And you seem to think it's going to be pretty close, so that makes it even more interesting. You know, Arizona allowed 21 carries and 113 yards to Jalen Richard and, and Doug Martin last week. You know, obviously, guys, you're not fearing. Uh, how do you feel about Gordon this week? Are you as high on him as I am? Or are you worried that he's going to be as chalky as I think he's going to be? Uh, at least close to as high as you are. And I, I do think he'll be very chalky. I think people are going to look at that spread and, and just chase it. And with Gordon being... 500 less than Barkley on DraftKings, especially. I think that can make him the highest owned running back of the week. Yeah, I think he. I think he will be. Also, I, I probably will have a couple lineups with him, and maybe a couple lineups where I fade him. Uh, do you like the Chargers passing game at all? You know, big spread. Philip Rivers has been really solid, but not like a huge upside guy. He has uh, he has multiple touchdowns every single week, but he only has more than two. Uh, you know, a couple times, and none in the last six weeks. He has six straight weeks of two touchdowns. Uh, the yards were good last week. He had 400 yards against the Broncos, but uh, he had 43 attempts, which is way higher than he's had uh, at any point in like the last eight weeks. But uh, what do you do with this offense outside of Gordon? Is there anybody you're interested in playing in, in uh, the Keenan Allen, Tyrell Williams, Mike Williams, anybody like that? Mm, maybe Rivers with Allen as a, a contrarian combo again, but I don't think even in cash games this week, you, you worry about the attempts being in the 20s again, yep. and then he's really TD dependent. So I think that's where you got to be really careful with Rivers. Like ordinarily, you'd want him in a cash game, but the way this lines up could be a lot like the stretch that he's had. Go back to like week five through week seven, and actually through week nine because they had a bye in week eight, 26, 26, 20, and 27. And yeah, he was fine in some of those games because he had multiple touchdowns, but that's a, it's a fine line to walk. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of Melvin Gordon, a lot of Austin Eckler in the second half of this game. I'm, I'm kind of staying away from the, the Chargers pass offense this week. Yeah, that makes sense. Pittsburgh at Denver is an interesting game to me. Pittsburgh fared by three heading to Denver over under 46 and a half. And we've got the uh, we've got the craziest situation of road Ben. And he was Roethlisberger was legit bad last week. I know he polished up the stats. He was like three for 12 for 18 yards with like a minute left in the first half or something crazy like that. And he got to 300 yards, he got to a couple touchdowns, but he made some awful mistakes that he got away with. He had an interception late that was terrible, but it came back on a penalty. I thought he was so much worse than his stat line last week. But, uh, you know, what do you do with Ben this week? Uh, 7900 on FanDuel, so he's very playable at the price. 11 touchdowns the last four weeks. 
obviously has a ton of weapons. Rivers had 400 yards on them last week. Uh, I'm kind of torn on Roethlisberger this week. I kind of really like him, but then that, the road bend thing kind of seeps back in my head just how bad he was last week. He's been decent though on the road overall this he season, has. and uh, the weapons are still so good. The thing I, that I don't really like about this matchup for Roethlisberger is that you can run fairly easily on the Broncos, so I think it could be a big James Conner week, and I don't trust Denver with Case Keenum as an offense that's good enough to force the Steelers to have to air it out a lot. So I think I'm just kind of staying away from Ben. The price is fairly high. Um, I think if I have one Steeler I'm locking in on this week, it might be James Conner coming off the dud last week because I think Denver leaks a ton of yards to opposing running backs. I like uh, I like Connor this week too in the, in the bounce back spot. Did have nine targets last week, so uh, the touches have been a little bit down, fourteen and fifteen last couple of weeks. But uh, I like this spot a lot more than usual. I like Juju Smith this week too, just Smith Schuster. Um, he's back on the upswing. He kind of was down for a while. Ten targets last week. He has seventy eight, ninety, and one hundred forty yards the last three weeks. Um, I'm actually kind of intrigued by a Ben Juju stack this week. I don't think it'll be popular, and I think this game uh, becomes a little bit of a shootout if Denver can manage can manage to stay in the game at all. I think that Pittsburgh scores a lot of points this game. I like I like Ben Juju this week, saving the money from Antonio Brown. Uh, I don't know, that that stack jumped out to me earlier in the week, and I think I'm sticking with it. Yeah, I I like, I like Smith-Schuster if you're going to play one of the Pittsburgh receivers because of that price break, but even then, I'm still not necessarily going to play him with Roethlisberger. You know Antonio Brown has a touchdown in eight straight games? Really? Yeah. I I didn't I knew he'd been good recently and he kind of was down a little bit early but he's been on fire. He has one game all year he hasn't scored in. That's that seems crazy to me as a, as a receiver. And yet somehow it feels like he's having a down year. I know it, make, it makes no sense. It, it it really does seem that way, but he really is not. He's uh he's so solid. I mean, you know, a cash game guy. If you want to pay up at receiver, uh, you can never really go wrong with with AB. Are you comfortable not having an expensive running back this week with the Breida and, and Marlon Mack prices being as, as low as they are? Could you lock those two guys in you've and then just been, load up with pricey receivers? You've been slowly talking yourself into that this this whole podcast, I could tell. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm trying to find every excuse to not pay 8K or close to 8K for one of my running backs. Uh, I think the uh, the mid-range guys are more intriguing with more upside than they have been in, in about four or five weeks. I think it's uh, the first week in a while where I could I could see that argument, especially you take uh, you take some of that you take Zeke and Kamara off the main slate. Um, you know, there's a couple other guys. Aaron Jones is not on the main slate, so that helps a little bit too, and he would have been popular also. I think it's a week where you could do it. I think you have to hope that Melvin Gordon doesn't score three times if you do it though. Yeah, you need Gordon to kind of split with Eckler, or you need like Rivers to hit a long TD or two to yeah. one of the Williams is like you need, but those, those things can happen. If, sure. if you're not rooting it, it. The girly Monday night thing seemed like the, the most unlikely girly game. And there's lots of ways on a blowout for things to go wrong. And there's lots of ways, even in a close game for the chargers for other guys to step up and to put those points on the board. And that's another good point. You mentioned girly, both girly and cream hunt with buys this week off the slate too. So it's a, uh... It's one of those weeks where if you can get uh, you get where Gordon and and C Mac and and Saquon don't go crazy, uh, it becomes a really interesting mid range running back week where, where we don't usually have that case because there's like seven or eight guys at the top that we like. Yeah, so I'm I'm definitely tinkering away with uh, mid range and lower end running backs as the core of my lineup, and then having a lot more to spend at receiver. It's weird though because you have no Julio, you have no Michael Thomas on this main slate, so I guess you've got to go like a Odell Beckham, Antonio Brown kind of thing, which would be super off the radar too. I mean, not many people are going to stack both those guys. You can do it, 
and you're probably not going to have enough room to use like Earth in that lineup, of course. But there's cheap tight ends to play. So yeah, I'm I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I'd like uh, I'd like to, I'm going to play with that too. Uh, what about the Denver side? Before we get to the last game, anybody in the Denver side you like? Philip Lindsay looked really good last week. I think he might just be really good. Only 11 carries, but seven yards, two touchdowns. He also had five targets. I just don't like really anybody against this this Pittsburgh rush D. I know Fournette had 95 yards last week, but it took 28 carries. No rusher over 100 yards. Only Fournette has over 80 this year. Um, Freeman only Royce Freeman only played 13 snaps, but did have seven carries and a catch. So they're clearly using him. Uh, you know, Lindsey went from 20 plus touches the last two games down a little bit this week. Uh, do you like Lindsey any this week at all? I'm okay with it, but I'm probably not playing him myself. I think with Freeman healthy, still kind of a chop. So. Even at that price, it it's just difficult for me to justify it. And if they have to play catch up, then you're looking at a situation where you know they're airing it out a lot. I think if I'm playing a Denver player this week, Emmanuel Sanders on DraftKings at 5,500 for tournaments kind of pops for me as a, a good value. It does to me too, and I think he's good enough where he can work. But Pittsburgh hasn't allowed a receiver over 60 yards the last four weeks. Yeah, Emmanuel Sanders may still have a chip on his shoulder for how things played out with the. Uh, Steelers yeah, a long I w- time ago. I really like Emmanuel Sanders. I wish I liked how Case Keenum was playing a little more, but at 5,500, I think in a game they're trailing, that could, that could work pretty well. Definitely. Last game on the slate before we get out of here, Miami at Indianapolis. Indianapolis is an eight-point favorite, over-under a 51 in this game, so it looks like the second-highest over-under on the slate, uh, second to the Niners-Tampa Bay game. Starting on the Miami side, before we get to Indy, who's more interesting, I, I had trouble finding anyone in Miami I really like in this matchup. I know the over-under is high, but I have a couple of guys who I think are interesting on DraftKings, but is there anybody in Miami you like before I get to the two guys I like? Uh, Miami, you think like if the Colts keep producing the way they have been, I think they've got the highest implied total on the main slate this week, that you're going to have to have some, something playing catch-up, it's probably a decent Kenyon Drake week if he's healthy. You know, like, that's the question. He's got a, a shoulder injury. He's wearing a non-contact jersey Tuesday. We'll see if he sheds that by the end of the week. But if they're playing catch-up, Kenyon Drake probably has to be involved as their primary pass-catching back. And they've, uh, you know, the Colts have been good against the run, but a lot, a lot of catches to running backs. Jalen Richard had eight catches. Uh, James White had 10. Chris Thompson had 13 catches. I hate the lack of touches that Drake gets, but if they get behind, you know, Gore's not going to catch any balls out of the backfield. I think at 4,700 on DraftKings, he becomes interesting. There's probably other guys I like more, but I could see the case for him. What about Danny Amendola? 4,600 on DraftKings, 5,300 on, on FanDuel. Could be a game script kind of PPR guy. Brock, also, I used him a lot. I don't know how Ryan Tannehill will use him if it's quite to be as much, but six-plus targets the last five weeks. Uh, he suddenly becomes interesting for, in a PPR kind of setup. Yeah, I was thinking about him versus uh, Kenny Stills at 3,900. With Tannehill back under center, do they take more shots downfield to Stills again? Like, Is that a quiet little lift for Kenny Stills in GPPs? Kenny Stills has five catches the last four weeks. Right, but that was all with Brock, right? Yeah, it's amazing what a difference he was. He made 106 yards, two touchdowns, you know, a 61-yard game of touchdown with, uh, with Tannehill. He's an interesting guy. I mean, price so low. Coming into the season, he was a big sleeper. A lot of people liked him as a receiver. Uh, you know, Osweiler, as we pointed out, has kind of killed him. Uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I just, uh, I don't, I, I assume he's fully healthy. Devontae Parker's back, which uh, probably limits his work a little bit, but uh, he's he's certainly going to be low percentage. Yeah, I mean, we're like 1% or less. Yes, for sure. And if they have to air it out, 
he's one of those guys that they will take those shots downfield with. So I'm I'm thinking about him as a sneaky GPP play this week under 4K. Uh, yeah, I like it. I think uh, and you can get a guy at 1% you like. Uh, you got you to gotta go with that. Uh, you definitely got to stick him in the lineup for sure then. Ryan Tannehill has to do something useful at some point. And Kenny Stills has to not run into that stupid wall they have in that stadium that's like three feet out of the back of the end zone. Oh, I mean, you hope that it's like an 80-yard touchdown because if he runs into the wall afterwards and he's out for the game, at least he made value first. That is the dumbest dumbest wall I've seen in sports. It's literally like three yards out of the back of the end zone. It makes no sense. Just so people can have like their recliner seats that are and not a good view of the game anyway. It's obnoxious. <laughs> so uh, on the indie side of the ball, before I let you get out of here, uh, I really, really like Marlon Mack this week. Uh, big home favorite, great game script. He only he had 61 yards and a touchdown last week, but it was a, in a tough matchup against Tennessee. He struggled the week before that too, but he's pretty clearly the lead guy. Um, you know, Miami allowed 15 carries for 145 yards to Aaron Jones their last game. Lamar Miller had 103, 133 on him in week eight. Carryon Johnson had 158 on him in week seven. I think this is a defensive target for running backs. Uh, Mark Mack is priced very well, 7,000 on FanDuel. I think he's 5,600 on DraftKings. Uh, probably my favorite of the mid-range guys, him or Matt Breida, but. Uh, you're right. There's a lot of mid-range guys I like this week, but I really like Marlon Mack this week. Probably my favorite running back play. Yeah, I kind of want both. I mean, the Dolphins have allowed over 1,200 rushing yards already this season. <laughs> 509 receiving yards allowed to opposing running backs. Oof. That bodes well for this offense. I mean, maybe even Naheem Hines can sneak in some value as well. But I, I like Marlon Mack quite a bit. I think when he's healthy, he's a high teens, carries kind of floor guy with the potential for a lot more if they're protecting a lead. We saw what can happen in those scenarios back in week eight against the Raiders had that monster 31.9 point game, had a big game the week before that against Buffalo with two TDs as well. So I I like him when he's floating right around this mid $5,000 price range in a matchup against a team that's been as porous against running backs as the Dolphins have all year. Yeah, I fully, fully agree there. Um, Andrew Luck, three touchdowns or more in seven straight games, 24 total in that stretch, just a crazy stretch right now. Uh, I think I'm more of a Marlon Mack guy on the Colts uh, side this week. Last week, I really liked Luck and Hilton uh, in the pentathlon. That was actually the stack that I played, and it, it worked really well. Um, but I think I'm more on Marlon Mack this week. I think the, I think the Colts had to run the ball a little more. I think that uh, the three-touchdown streak gets broken this week. Yeah, maybe it's only two instead, and, and the yardage might be yeah. moderate with Mac chewing up so much on the ground. Yeah, for me, it's more I just worry about his ceiling if they if they don't have to throw the ball in the second half because I like I like Luck and Hilton when the Colts have to throw the ball a lot and they you know they throw fifty times a game like they did earlier in the year. Um, I think this is a I like Mac so much this week that it's hard for me to like the passing game as much as I normally do here. As the tight ends go, I think the idea I threw out there last week was go to the one who didn't do anything the week before. Jack Doyle, four catches, four targets, 43 yards. Eric Ebron, zero targets, one pass attempt. What, maybe two? I think it was one. What's, uh, what's going on with the, with the Colts tight ends for you this week? Any interest? Uh, not really. If I did, it would probably be Doyle just because he gets the targets. I know that Ebron gets the touchdowns. and I loved how people were shocked last week that Eric Ebron disappeared. I was like, well, he runs like he gets like he runs like plays like 12 plays a game like he's gonna have games where he does nothing and not score three touchdowns um I just don't think game script works out here for the tight ends I think that you know I like Doyle when they're behind they have to dump the ball down to him you know six to eight times in the second half and I just I think I'm just uh, I'm a I'm a such a big Marlon Mack guy this week that I'm just probably not playing any of the pass catchers in DFS I am 100% with you there it's kind of Mack or bust for me with the Colts offense in week 12 
Beautiful. Anybody else, anything else you want to discuss before I uh, let you jump out of here for your holiday weekend? No, I think that's everything. There is a, a Thursday NFL DFS breakdown up on the site if you want to kind of see the written version of what we talked about at the beginning. And uh, I'm writing up the DraftKings article this week. I think that'll be up Friday morning. And depends I, uh, Depends if I'm able to squeeze it in before tomorrow because I'm probably not writing it tomorrow. I'm kind of busy tomorrow. I definitely recommend that write-up. I, I read the one for the Monday night uh, Chiefs-Ram games pretty extensively. It's a You go way, way in-depth on the short slate. It's really good. Yeah, thanks. I um, it's hard. It's really, it's harder to write up a single game slate than a ten game slate for me. Like it, it just you have to get really granular with what you're looking at, and you're just looking for any little edge possible, right? Like it's just it's so strange that focusing on one game takes more time, but that's kind of the way it goes. Yeah, when you're having to break down Demarcus Robinson and Chris Conley and Gerald Everett and Tyler Higbee, it, it gets a little more difficult than it is talking about the the studs like you normally do on a, on a regular slate. Yeah, exactly. So, well, thank you everybody for listening to the RotoWire NFL DFS podcast. Again, if you could please, please rate or review us, we would greatly appreciate that. If you want to follow us on Twitter, ask us any questions about the slate coming up. We are taping early this week, so there are probably going to be some injuries that impact stuff as we get closer. Uh, I'm at Scott Jenstead. Derek is at Derek Van Riper, all one word. Uh, other than that, I hope everybody has a, a great Thanksgiving holiday weekend. We'll be back at you next week for week 13. Take care.